following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is the Players' Lounge. Broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now your hosts, Barry Church, Danny McRae, and Nui Scruggs. All right, everybody, it's Friday. Friday, and the Cowboys are going to find themselves in a battle with the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. No fans in the stadium, so the 12th man will have zero uh, part in the game as the Cowboys face Seattle. I'm Nui Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter, and we mark the return of our man, Danny. Daddy. Daddy Mac. <laughs> Danny and Good his to be uh, back. bride. <laughs> Ride welcomed in a baby girl this week. He took some days off. I wanted him to take the rest of the week off, but but uh, he, he's got things handled right now, so he's going to come back and spend 45 minutes with us here at the Players' Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com. So um, take me through the experience, man. Man, it was it was crazy, right? So we, uh, you know, late at night, and then, you know, we, she started feeling it. So I was like, all right. So I was, I was being the doula, you know, keeping the time of the contractions and stuff. With the COVID going on, we can't really have one come in. So, you know, I'm starting to get nervous. So we get to the hospital quickly, you know, the contractions were coming fast and then we got to the hospital and it slowed down. We ended up being in there for about 15, 16 hours before the little little princess came out. So, you know, gained a new respect for the wife and, and women who give birth, man, it's, it's amazing, but it's, it, you have to be really strong to be able to do that. And, and you know, seeing, seeing her come out, it was like nothing I've ever experienced, man. So it's just, it's just been great, you know, no sleep the first night that we got home, but you know, that's to be expected. So that nap I just took got me ready for the Players' Lounge today. <laughs> All right, so tell me, when you drove home, did you drive under the speed limit or at the speed limit? <laughs> I was I was definitely driving under the speed limit, one specifically <laughs> because the, the, the hospital is right off of Dallas North Tollway, so I almost thought about just riding the feeder all the way home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we we were hungry, so we wanted to get something to eat. So I was like, you know, I'm going to drive just a little bit under and, uh, you know, make it there safely. And I think I found myself doing that day two as well when we went to the pediatrician. Just drive a little slow. You know, then, you know, as I as the longer I went, you know, the faster, the faster I went, I got a little bit more comfortable. But yes, yeah, it's one of those protective feelings. Yes, and, and that's always a, you know one of those questions I kind of wait to ask guys. All right, when you drove home, how did you drive? If it says 35, <laughs> you're about 28, 29, or you're that guy on the road everyone hates because when you're taking that bundle of joy home, man, you're not speeding. You're just trying to, hey, I'm just trying to make sure everything's good. Don't want to hit a bump. I want the baby to be calm. And so that's good. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you got that same experience because I had the, the same way three times. Three times I did it the look, same look, way. Look, just kind of... Let me tell you something. I, listen, I, so when I was younger, I used to see all these, the vans and the and the long SUVs with the baby on board, stickers at the back. I, I like saw myself in that. When I was going slow, I was like, man, I don't want to seem like I'm just some dude just, just cruising along holding up traffic. So I might have to give me one of those, those baby on board stickers so everybody knows that's the reason why I'm going slow. Good for you, man. Good good for you. Protect that uh, bundle of joy and welcome to the Dad Club. Uh, we are in our SWBC Mortgage Home Studios today. And you know, normally I'm, I'm, I'm texting you a bunch of topics and where I want to go and how I want to have some flow of the show. And, and we're doing the same thing. But today I said, no, I, I, I'm not even sending anything in because I know where I'm going for a segment. And... <laughs> 
Look, you and I in church, we've, we've gone round and round talking about Dak and the contract. And one of the things that continues to frustrate me is when it comes to Dak and the contract, how there seemingly is this moving target of what he has to or not doesn't have to do. That people are wanting Dak Prescott to earn his money in a sport where people at his position are not paid by what they've done. They're not. They're paid by the marketplace. Okay, make sure I understand that one more time. Now, people are saying, well, he has to go win a Super Bowl or go do this, go do that, then prove yourself to get paid. That's not how it works. Okay, and I'm going to give you a couple of examples of where that hasn't worked or has not applied to him. Danny, I want you to just take a small guess. In 11 years... How much money Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions is making? <laughs> oh, take, a, man. Just take a stab. Take a stab, man. I would say somewhere in the in the 250, 300 range. $226.1 million for Matthew Stafford. <laughs> now in his 12th season with one Pro Bowl and not one playoff victory. Not a one. So then I looked at Sam Bradford. Nobody's stolen more money for the National Football League than (laughs) Sam Bradford, former number one pick and Heisman Trophy winner at Oklahoma. In nine seasons, he made $130 million. Alex Smith, Alex Smith, former number one overall pick, $189.7 million. And Kirk Cousins, now in his ninth NFL season, $140.6 million in contracts of what they've given Kirk Cousins, who just got his first playoff win last season. And if anybody saw him play uh, last week or, in, or the first two weeks in the National Football League, you would say, boy, he should give some of Horrible. this money back. Okay? <laughs> Horrible. I am consistently a person who's on the player's side. Get what you can while you can. The National Football League is a 100% casualty industry. When you leave this game, there is something on you that is hurting. Okay? So these guys got paid. Fine. They got their money. But when you come to Dak Prescott and you've got a whole legion of people out here trying to say he must earn this and according for you to get this cut, you got to go out and show this. No, you don't. This is a league that has showed you that we don't care. We're going to pay you i just given you a list of guys here, and Sam Bradford, Alex Smith, um, Kirk Cousins, th- these guys are, they're just dudes. They're just dudes. They got dudes. paid multiple okay? times. Got, <laughs> yes, multiple contracts, okay? Multiple contracts on third and fourth, you know, third contracts. And, and I remember, good for them. I, I remember they paid Sam Bradford, was it $25 million when he went to Arizona? And then he ended up tearing his ACL. But everybody knew Sam Bradford was done before then. They paid him 25 mil to go there. And Kirk Cousins did the franchise tag twice and then got paid a fully guaranteed contract pretty much in, in Minnesota. So what, it wasn't even a struggle for them to get money, you know, on the open market. Like, you, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins had trouble with Washington. But once he hit the open market, he was paid. Mark Sanchez got a second contract, okay? Mark Sanchez. And, and, and never during Mark Sanchez's time did you think that he was the engine driving the Jets or that they were winning because of the quarterback. They were, they were truly protecting the quarterback and running the football there. So David Moore of the Dallas Morning News, who I've known a long time, know my 20 years here in the Dallas-Fort Worth market, and I like David Moore. But what David Moore wrote today made me say, wow, really? 
So this is what David Moore wrote. He says, Dak Prescott's only a few days removed from becoming the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for more than 400 yards and rush for three touchdowns in a game. Every single yard was vital as Prescott led a comeback that saw the Cowboys overcome a 15-point deficit in the final eight minutes to win. The question now for the reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Week is simple. What is next? How do you top that performance? Go out and beat Russell Wilson in Seattle. That's all. Life as a quarterback uh, is of a high-profile guy, it isn't fair. It generates even more scrutiny when you're past the point roughly of 19 months of trying to strike into court with the franchise on a long-term deal and can't. If you want to be paid among the best at the position, go out and beat the best at the position. No one is better at the moment than Russell Wilson. So, so that's what David Moore wrote. And my problem with this, again, this is not how quarterbacks are paid in this league. You're, tell, you're saying once again, hey, Dak, you have to do this in order to get paid. When we need to, oh, by the way, look at this offensive line is bad. This defensive line gives you nothing. This defense is not good. Um, it, it's, it's more than just the quarterback when we're talking about trying to win games. Dak Prescott, in my mind, has earned a contract from the Cowboys, Danny. And I don't get this, man. Go ahead. So, listen, Dak, Dak has definitely earned, earned his money, right? And, they, and they, I think they tried to give him something that he didn't want and he had the right to decline it because I think he's worth more. What, what happens is... You know, the people that write these articles should go listen to what Lamar Jackson said when they're trying to pit like him versus Mahomes in the game. Offense doesn't play against offense, all right? Lamar Jackson will not be throwing against Patrick Mahomes. He will not be trying to complete a pass against him in the same way with Patrick Mahomes trying to complete a pass against Lamar Jackson. That's not the game. So you could say he got to go out here and beat uh, Russell Wilson. Are you saying that he, his stats have to be better? Are you saying that the Cowboys have to win the game? Because like you said, we have problems on defense. This is a this is a defense, offense, a special teams game, right? This is the the the, the optimal, the, the sport where I uh, – uh, teamwork is optimal, right? You have to be, you have to have teamwork to get out there and win. So this isn't all on Dak. Dak can go out there and play a hell of a game, and our defense can go out there and play trash, and and then they'll be talking about how you know Dak didn't win the game and he can't win, whatever, blah blah blah. And none of that'll be accurate. So you know, those are just people talking and trying to get some get some stuff across to try to you know paint a reason for why Dak hasn't getting paid and why he will if he does win. But that's not what it is because this is a team game and. You know how Dak plays, and if we win or lose, it has nothing to do with his contract uh, going forward, in my opinion. Okay, so so I go back. I want to read this one more time. It says, "If you want to be paid among the best at the position, go out and beat the best at the position." No one is better at the moment than Russell Wilson. I'm going to throw out this date in case people have forgotten. All right, and I wrote it down yesterday. Here it is: January fifth, twenty twenty. The the Cowboys, led by Dak Prescott, ended up beating. Russell Wilson in Seattle in a playoff game, 24-22. <laughs> Does that not count? I mean, how many times when people have beaten up Dak Prescott, well, win a playoff game, go do this. I mean, it's, it's the never-ending moving target for number four. And that's what I don't understand. Why do listen, you move Louis, this if, target all the time? If, if, if Dak, I promise you, listen, because th this is why it's hard to listen to people who write that type of stuff, because I promise you, if Dak goes out and have, has a horrible game, but our defense somehow scores two, two touchdowns and a kick returner comes out and scores a touchdown and we win by six, but Dak has a horrible game, they won't credit that to Dak. They'll be like, well, Dak played like, he played like garbage, but they won the game, so he, he still hasn't proven that he had to get paid. Right. That stuff, right. That stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. 
and, 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 and I say this four times, I like David Moore. David Moore's really good at his job, okay? He's really good at his job. We just have differing takes on this situation here. And I'm starting to realize more and more when it comes to, to media and Dallas-Fort Worth that I'm really on a different side with, with some of these guys and how they are evaluating Dak Prescott and how you judge the quarterback market. I've said many times right here on the Players' Lounge, brought to you by Hotels.com, quarterbacks are like houses in Beverly Hills. There is no liquidation sign. The price is the price. It only goes up. It's what it is. I lived in Los Angeles. I used to drive around Beverly Hills a lot. And you know what? I didn't see any, you know, reduced signs on these houses, man. <laughs> these houses were what they were, baby. You want, If there was a sign right there, you called, you made a I mean, It's just what it was. It's Beverly Hills. And quarterbacks are Beverly Hills. And the Cowboys have done a bad job in terms of trying to get this contract done. This thing should have been done last year, okay? And people have written that, that the Cowboys mistimed this and they misjudged this thing. But this whole premise that Dak Prescott has to earn his dollars or that this win is going to therefore show you that he deserves to be paid now, I, I think that's ludicrous. Now, a person I do respect when it comes to the quarterback market and their football acumen is Rick Gossam. He is a uh, media member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And one of the things he consistently says is, if you're a franchise quarterback, what you need to do is elevate the players around you. That you need your quarterback to make other dudes, all right, boom, Scotty Miller, all right? I know who Scotty Miller was, but now he's playing with, with Tom Brady. You've seen a guy like Scotty Miller make some plays. Chris Hogan was a guy at Buffalo. I didn't know who he was. He goes out to New England. Next thing I know, I see um, Chris Hogan catching passes in the Super Bowl from Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady was able to elevate players when he played. Last week... I saw Dak Prescott elevating guys. Dalton Schultz was a Dalton guy. Schultz. I don't know about you, Danny. After after that, after the Ram game, I was done with Dalton. I mean, get rid of this guy, okay? Because Blake Jarwin gets hurt. Dalton Schultz is dropping easy pass. I mean, this this guy's. And, and what do we see? Career high in catches, caught a touchdown pass. That to me is a part of elevating players. And I'm starting to see Dak do more and more of that. He's improving his game. Because I go back to the two Super Bowls I went to that Seattle was at, and there were so many people who were saying, Russell Wilson's not a franchise guy. They're carrying Russell Wilson. I mean, people were hard on him. Pete Prisco, one of my friends at CBSSports.com, used to have my, on my old NBC Sports radio show, and we would go round and round about Russell. He's like, Russell's not a franchise quarterback. Now he's finally saying it two years in, but I just shake my head. It's like, what are you guys watching? And why is it certain quarterbacks – have to go ahead and prove the standard above here. And then other dudes get these passes, and they say, well, he's got this, he's got that. I, I'm telling you, Danny, it's, it's hard for me. It is hard for me when I see this stuff written about guys like Dak Prescott, and I just shake my head because it's not a standard that's held to everybody else. I want to read you what I got on Twitter. And, and this comes from a guy named Art. He says, I'm a big Stafford fan. He never had a running game or defense. I also think <laughs> CJ is the greatest right receiver ever created, but his supporting staff was garbage. I think Stafford was wasted. Wow. It's, it's, it's excuses. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come on, man. This dude, if, he, if he's the greatest receiver ever, ever created and you have one of the top quarterbacks, you know, getting paid that way, that, that, their game was not that bad. They won games. They've been to the playoffs. You know, he just he just didn't win. So if you're just going to make those excuses for the guy, I think that's crazy. Nui, I, I do want to preface this by saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for Dak and Dalton Schultz and all that stuff and whatever. But I still feel the same as I felt last week 
uh, you know, after we beat Atlanta, that we won the game and credit to the Cowboys for being able to do so. But we were playing Atlanta, all right? So, you know, we went through this, we went through something similar last year where we struggled against teams that we should have beat, that we should have blown out. And to me, last week was one of those games, but the difference was we were able to come back and win a game that we should have won and dominated from the beginning. So I'm still looking for big things for us moving forward. I don't want to take anything away from us, but, you know, history shows what Atlanta is. Week one showed what Atlanta was, and we went out there, you know, in the second half and did what we were supposed to do versus Atlanta. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this next game where it's, it's something where we, we might be considered an underdog and we go out there and we perform like we're supposed to from beginning to end and, you know, and get us a win. Now, I'll, I'll counter your point here, and I hate that it's going to sound very homeristic, but, but I think this is also just a legitimate, this could be legitimate when I say it, and you haven't played in the National Football League, I think you'll agree with this. Over the course of 16 games during a season, you're going to need to win one that you probably didn't necessarily deserve to win. That, that's normally the case on teams who end up having playoff seasons. That, hey, you know what? We snuck our foot out of the bear trap of this one. But that is what you have to do over the course of a season. Win some games that maybe you didn't have your best effort and maybe the other team outplayed you, but you found a way to do it. And I go back to this thing again of, of who we choose to praise and who we choose to condemn. There are many times where I would watch the Patriots play a game against Miami, especially down in Miami when they deal with that, 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 uh, that, that, that weather, which is especially humid for the Patriots in that second part of the season. Uh, or they're going to play Buffalo up there in that snow. And the Patriots would end up winning a close game. Not playing their best, but they ended up winning the game. Uh, Bill Walsh's San Francisco 49ers, they played in a notoriously weak NFC West, where they would go and face the Atlanta Falcons, they'd face the Saints, and they'd be in a slobber knocker and just kind of barely beat, you know, eke it out with a Joe Montana, um, you know, last second drive. But they were able to win those games. You're not going to play 16 perfect ones. If you win 10 games or 11 games, you're not, they're not all going to be pretty. So you need to get an ugly win in here. And Huge difference. That's one. Huge, huge, okay. huge difference because, you know, we talked about, uh, you talked about New England going to Miami. My, my huge thing with, with, with us in Atlanta was not so much the players. It was the coaching, right? Players go out there and, and players fumble. Players drop passes. Those things happen. This is the National Football League. The highest paid players go out there and make mistakes. We're, I'm talking about from a, a you know strictly coaching stance uh, standpoint. Okay. We had a game where we went out there and we and we crapped the bed coaching wise, and our, and our oh, talent came out there, you know, yeah. and, 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 and helped us overcome that. When you get into a 16 game season, those are not the things that you can do, right? Your talent can overcome some stuff, but if you continue to have those type of coaching mistakes and coaching errors. You will not win no matter how good your talent is, especially against the most talented teams. I'll tell you what, we were lucky to be playing the Atlanta Falcons when we got that, hopefully we got that coaching style and those coaching errors from being off for a year out of the way. So, you know, look, lucky for us that we played Atlanta and we did pull it out thanks to the talent that we have around and Dak Prescott raising, raising this game and helping us come back and overcoming that. But I, I just think those are a little different from from us, from New England playing Miami, because those games are always tough, you know, because they just, Miami just plays New England tough. For us, it wasn't even like that. It was, this was total, total, totally opposite. It was our coaching was getting us in so much trouble that we just had to keep clawing out and getting out of there. It was a long time since I'd ever seen two coaching staffs 
equally horrible at the same time like I did um, with the Falcons and Dan Quinn and, and uh, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. We've got to take a break. When we come back, there is a, a player that is getting lit up on social media. And I want to defend the player who was not asked a question, but merely was asked a question about something someone else said, and he co-signed on it. That's next. Players Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com right here on DallasCowboys.com radio. Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tight Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Simply sign up at your local store, set out your dirty clothes, and one of our Tide Cleaners professionals will come directly to your home for a totally contactless experience. Your clean garments will be returned promptly the next scheduled delivery day, so skip the errand and enjoy life, not laundry. Visit TideCleaners.com or your local store to sign up for Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery today. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. To the Players' Lounge. All right, coming to, Cowboy, coming to see the Cowboys next weekend. Make sure you know before you go. Wear a mask, keep distance, and be prepared for cashless transactions. Please be aware of all safety stadium policies prior to arriving at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash safe stadium for details. This is the Players' Lounge on a football Friday. I'm Louis Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter. And we're joined by Danny McCray, former Dallas Cowboys safety. Our other running buddy, Barry Church, is off today. So let me dive into something that was a, a topic for Mike McCarthy, the head coach. And that was being asked about the defense. And Mike Knowles, defensive coordinator, and, and he was basically asked, are you giving guys too much? Because you're trying to install a new defense, trying to run some 3-4 concepts, a 4-3 concepts. These guys were, are pretty much used to a 4-3. And Mike McCarthy, make sure I read this right, he says, you cut the volume back. When he talk, talked about simplifying the defense, his time as a head coach, when guys are having issues and missing assignments, you cut the volume back. So Jalen Smith was asked about that, and he said yes. 
And here's another quote from Jalen Smith when he spoke to the media. He says, I believe it's important that each and every player knows in and out what they have to do. And with the smaller playbook, it gives us a better opportunity to do that. Jalen Smith is getting lit up on social media for saying that. People, oh, he can't handle it. Oh, he doesn't know what to do. Oh, Jalen needs to study more. Danny, you spoke about the Cowboys defense and having a whole lot in the playbook from the time you got to the Cowboys and there was the lockout and Rob Ryan was the head coach. So please remind listeners and viewers what you said. Yeah, so, you know, when, um, when Rob Ryan was first hired um, as a defensive coordinator, it was the year of the lockout. So we didn't have any offseason and we had to report straight to training camp, right? So Rob right. Ryan has this, this, this very complex defense with a, with a lot of plays, a lot of different blitzes, a lot of players playing different positions. And we, he tried to install the same thing. And, you know, cr- credit to him, he tried to do what he could. He had never, you know, experienced having to do that during the lockout. But, you know, he figured his players could pick it up. And when you saw us out there on the field, the first thing that you said was, man, miscommunication. These guys look lost. You know, they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, they had forgotten that we hadn't had much time to input this stuff. And Rob kind of forgot that, too. So as we moved throughout the season, we did try to cut back and run a few different things. But, you know, for us, it was just, you know, too little, too late. So, like I said, I said the same thing about about uh, Fossil. Um I'm sorry, about Mike Nolan. I said the same thing about Mike Nolan, you know, that hopefully he comes in and he's able to input his defense, but he takes it slow, especially having all these young players and, and, and draft picks that'll be playing. And he just puts it in, you know, slowly so these guys can focus and know where they're supposed to be at. And it looks like he did not do that. And I don't, I don't uh, take anything away from Jalen for saying what he said, because if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, right? Because, you know, you're going to get on him when you see him out of position and, and, and missing plays. So it's, it's, it's his right to defend himself and say, hey, look, it's fine, you know, that we have all this stuff in. But, you know, some guys aren't picking it up. And I think it, it'll be best for us if we cut back and let us play fast with our ears pent back and go make the plays like we usually make. Because when you have players out there overthinking, that's the worst thing you could do, especially on defense, because that'll get you beat all day. And I think, you know, we've been seeing some of that, you know, on, on the field uh, defensively. Everson Griffin told the media that he prefers to play with a three-point stance, that he wants to go ahead and play with his hand down, that he basically likes playing in the 4-3. That's what he knows. Tank Lawrence is another 4-3 guy. And, and to ask guys to try and make this switch here, Without an OTA, without a mini camp, without a full training camp, that's a challenge here. And so the question starts to become, is Mike Nolan going to decide that, hey, I better do what these guys know how to do and then slowly bring in my system? I go back to when Bill Parcells was here. Bill Parcells takes over. He's a 4-3 defensive guy. Won two Super Bowls running a 4-3 defense. Had arguably the greatest linebacker ever in Lawrence Taylor. But when he came to the Cowboys, Mike Zimmer was his defensive coordinator. They ran a 4-3. And then as he went into his second year, they started transitioning into a 3-4, drafting 3-4 linebackers and making that change. But even he didn't come in here and try and switch it in one year. It's like, let's do what we know how to do. And then he was able to switch it and get things more into what he wanted. And to me... Mike Nolan, especially with, a sh- with, as you said, you know, a shortened offseason, you have to really try and do what these guys do best. Because right now, two games in, this defense has got a lot of issues. You're not good up front. 
Okay? You're not good up front. Let me run some of these numbers here for you, Danny. Two sacks, seven quarterback hits, 14 quarterback pressures. And that is tied for 20th in the league when it comes to uh, pressures there. When it, you look at their run defense here, they are 21st in the NFL. Atlanta ran 33 times against this team for 109 yards. And then you had the Rams run against uh, the Cowboys for um, 33 times over 150, 159 yards. So you're not good up front. And if you're not good up front, and that's what they talked about, hey, we're going to be real good up front and let these linebackers roam free, um, no, Jalen Smith is not doing what we thought he would do because right up front they're not any good. Uh, so, so it's more than just pointing it at 54 and thinking, hey, man, you stink. You're the whole problem. There's a lot of problems on this defense two games into this. Well, listen, if you if, listen, we had Will McClay on here, right? And if you don't want to put any stock into what we're saying or what the players are saying. Will McClay came in and straight said, you know, I asked him, you know, what, you know, what's going on with the defense? How can we get better? He said, hey, we have some guys, you know, on the defensive line that have been playing in a 4-3 and they've been one gap in their entire career. And now they have the two gap. This is uh, uh, Crawford's telling Will this, right? So he's adjusting and, and, and trying to get used to playing playing a two gap system. So Will McClay come on, came on here and said the same thing that Jalen said, the same thing that McCarthy said. As far as our players are trying to learn something new and you know and, and learn a new system. So if you're not taking any stock, putting any stock into what we're saying, put some stock into what Will is saying because you you, you have to listen to somebody. And this is the whole the whole band is saying the same thing. So yeah, you know. Minimize the playbook. Put these guys in a position to where they're running fast and they're not thinking. Put one or two blitzes in. You know, put a put a uh, put a blitz in to where wherever the team runs, whenever they run a certain formation, you always blitz that formation. Do something as simple as that, and then build on it, right? Because we one, we should be creating more pressure. Two, our, we we should not be as lost as as we are, you know, considering what, what Jalen said. Like, so it's a way for, for him to, to minimize the defense and still be effective and not be vanilla, you know, like, like, uh, like we were in previous years. He can still get this done, and that's why they get paid the big bucks. You know, he has to come out here and create a different game plan, and he has to fit it to the players, fit the system to the players. Those are, those are what the great coaches do, and that's what the great coaches do for their teams to win and their players to perform at the highest level. Yeah, and I'm not sitting here saying that Jalen is playing perfect and he has no room for improvement. What I am saying is fans that are making it seem as though 54 is the biggest problem here, no. And if I'm going to call a player out and say, look, I need from, more from you, it's number 90. If, if Demarcus Lawrence is getting to the quarterback, then this whole defense is a different deal because you didn't bring in Alden Smith and Everson Griffin to be the guy. You brought them in to help the guy. Um, in this whole D-line, also we look at Don Terry Poe, who Jerry Jones said today was playing well. A lot of people have a disagreement with their Tristan Hill. These guys have got to be better at plugging up the run. Danny, when you're running 33 times in a football game as an offense, that's, that's telling you what they're, they're saying. We feel like we can attack you. And that's what both teams did. The Rams did it. In, in game one, they were effective. The, the Falcons tried to do it, not as effective. And I'm going to tell you this week, you better believe Brian Schottenheimer is going to take Chris Carson and Carlos High and run right at the Cowboys here. So I expect another 30-point, not just 30-point, but a 30-carry day for, for a team against the Cowboys. You'd be crazy not to try and put, this, put your team out here to run and keep this Cowboys defense on the field as long as you can. They're playing over 30 minutes a game. That, that's how you've beaten the Cowboys the past few seasons, Danny, is win the time of possession and wear out their defense. Yeah, listen, as we said, you know, once you put something bad on tape, 
the other teams around the league that you're playing, they're going to try to do yeah. the same thing, right? We put we put that on tape that we're we're we're, we're susceptible to the run uh, against what our offensive, I mean, what our defensive line and our linebackers. And Atlanta saw that tape and they said, "Hey, we probably could do the same thing." So let's focus on trying to do that. Now they weren't as successful as the team before, but. They had some success at some points, you know, the the, the, the flow of the game kind of changed that form. So Seattle will, will definitely do the same thing. I also want to touch on this, right, because I heard you guys talking about Everson Griffin and, and Demarcus Lawrence. And for, for any of the fans out there, people listening, whoever run a, run a 40-yard dash or seen somebody run a 40-yard dash at the combine, you see that they take off in a three-point stance, right? They practice this, you know, over and over again so they can run as fast as they could. You have some guys that you know that are in a three-four, right? So they they're able to do run their you know their forty-yard dash from a stand-up position. When when coaches come in and they try to coach Demarcus Ware, they're not going to try to get him to go from what he does best, which is standing up and rushing, to putting his hand in the dirt, right? And if, if he complains about it, he's going to be standing up again. The same thing with our defensive line. Every time you watch Demarcus Lawrence, uh, he has his hand in the dirt and he's able to create his leverage and his pressure. From, from that rushing position. So now when you put him in a different position, of course you're going to see see a little, uh, you know, a little, little something off of it. Same thing with Everson, Everson Griffin. So they just need to get back to what they do best. And the coach, like I said, they have to be able to create this scheme and adapt it to what their players are able to do. Because you're paying these guys too much money to try to force them to do something they're not good at. So let them get back to what they do best. And, and I think you will see some, some, a big change in production if you do so. All right, uh, let's take another break here. On the flip side, Alden Smith has some words for Cowboys fans about this defense, and we'll give you our predictions for Seahawks and Cowboys. I'm Nui Scruggs, longtime Cowboys reporter. He is Danny McCray, former Dallas Cowboys safety. This is the Players' Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's best network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. To Dallas' frontline responders, thank you. To show its gratitude, Tide is offering free laundry services in Dallas to the families of frontline responders. Simply bring your laundry and your identification to Tide Cleaners and they will wash it within two days. One thing less for you to worry about. While you take care of us all, Tide will take care of the laundry for the families of frontline responders. To learn more and find a location near you, visit hope.tidecleaners.com. 
Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. To the Players Lounge. All right, tickets versus Cleveland. Cowboys single game tickets are available now. And you can see them take on the Browns when they return to AT&T Stadium on Sunday, October 4th. Limited number of tickets are on sale now. Get yours at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. I'm Louis Scruggs. This is the Players Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com. We are in our SWBC Mortgage Virtual Home Studios. Got Danny McCray, former Cowboys Safety. Barry Church, former Cowboys Safety, is off today. All right, uh, Tank Lawrence is still dealing with the knee issue, Danny. Basically, they're telling us it's going to be a game-time decision on him. And then uh, Tyron Smith, according to Mike McCarthy, who missed last week because of a stinger, uh, he's making progress which also means we're going to have to see um, what the availability is on game day. So I expect those decisions to, uh, to get made then about when they do what they do. Alden Smith was asked about this defense. Alden Smith got a sack in game one against the Rams. The Cowboys have two sacks overall, Smith with one of them, Everson Griffin with the other. And he said, quote, I feel like the coaches have made it fairly simple. I think everyone needs to chill out. This is the third game coming up. We didn't have too much of an offseason. We didn't have a preseason. I know every week we're going to get better. Danny, what do you say to what Alden Smith came out and told the media today? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it makes sense, um, or half of it anyways, the fact that they didn't have much of an offseason. And, you know, to him, the defense could be simple. He's a, he's a vet, right? So he's been through different schemes. He's, he's learned systems before. So for him, it may be, you know, it may be simple enough. But for some of those younger guys that we have out there, we have a young safety. We got a young linebacker. We got young corners, right? It's not as simple, simple for them, right? So I think that they can get better. You know, as the year goes on and those guys, you know, they get rid of those, you know, you know, all rookies go through go through a phase of like trying to pick up the, the speed and the systems and, and things that they do different from college to the NFL. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a learning curve for them, you know, and, you know, unfortunately, this is <laughs> this is the season that we're in where we didn't have have much time to learn. So they're going to pick it up as they go. So I don't think it's, it's any reason for us to panic. Uh, you know, as far as for them being able to perform better and learn the scheme, you know, the biggest thing to panic about is injuries. And that, that's happened all over the league. So, you know, you just got to be able to plug and play. And that's difficult when you have a system to where some people maybe maybe think already that it's too difficult. The Cowboys, I'll go back to say something we continue to say on the show. The Cowboys offense has to take care of the defense here. This defense isn't good enough to survive shootouts. Uh, I, I will give the defense credit last week against Atlanta from the standpoint of the offense, put them in some horrendous positions. And they were holding the Falcons to some field goals on fake punt and some of the fumbles here. I thought they did a decent job of that. Uh, the Cowboys have to win the time of possession battle. Okay, This is two games in a row where they've not done that. And I already talked about the numbers when you talk about rushing the football. When a team's running the ball 33 times against you, that shows you that they're, they're being more aggressive and they're taking it to you. Um, but the Cowboys, from an offensive standpoint, can help this team by running the ball. Church, you and, and you, McCray, you guys were at and playing for the Cowboys when you went up to Seattle, and DeMarco Murray had a game of games, and it was a 2014. And and 
Seattle never had the ball. And I remember, because I was at that game in Seattle, and afterwards, people, people said to see, you know, Pete Carroll, well, what happened? He said, we never had the ball. And the Cowboys had the ball. They, they ran it. Tony Romo did an excellent job with play-action passing. It was one of the best game plans that Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan had ever, had ever come up with. They need to do a lot of that. And to me, not only is it giving the ball to Zeke to run it, but I also believe it's throwing the ball, Zeke, you know, throwing some screens, some wheel routes, and, and using your best offensive player and making the Seahawks have to defend him. We know the Seattle pass D is terrible. They're, they're 32nd in the league. But if you're running it with Zeke, Danny, and if you're able to get him out in that passing game, that's, uh, that's going to make it even easier to try and hit Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup. Yeah, um, most definitely. So, you know, Nui, unfortunately, you know, I had gone to Chicago uh, that year when they were able to put that put that season together and get, and, you know, and get those guys running. But I did see them when they came to Chicago and they definitely ran that game plan on us. It was keep the ball away from us, which they didn't really need to. But, you know, they, they, they controlled the clock. They ran it and, you know, and, and they beat us pretty badly. So, you know, I, I think that is the recipe uh, for success for us. And getting Zeke involved early, having him start the game with a couple carries, unlike we did last week, I think will be huge. And I think getting us into some third and shorts, be it passing it to Zeke, getting it to Schultz, or just you know creating creating some uh, third and threes with some with some hitch routes uh, with, with what our receivers on the outside will help us tremendously, right? Because that gives you the option to run on third down or pass on third down, or and that opens up play action as well. And when you can when you can have all those options open to you, that's when that's when you had an opportunity to make some big plays and then you know control the clock and move methodically down the field, you know, and, and, and keep our defense on the sideline. So. I think if we play that way, we, we can we can definitely get a W, but we have to stick to it and, uh, and, and and try to make that happen when we get out there. You know, things change once you get out there on the field and things don't go your way. I go back to a stat that I said yesterday with Church. That's talking about winning first down. Here's a number. The Seattle defense allows 6.8 yards per attempt on first down, which is 27th in the league, and the Dallas offense is averaging 6.6 .6 yards on first down, which is 7th in the league. And that's where I think about, hey, what could you do by throwing the ball out here and getting Ezekiel Elliott in space? Yes, Bobby Wagner is a fantastic linebacker. You could argue maybe the best linebacker in the National Football League, and we know K.J. Wright is an awesome player. But if I'm the Cowboys, I'm going to say, I got an awesome player here, too. Let's see my guy against your guy here. And I think Ezekiel Elliott can win his fair share. And if the Cowboys, Danny, can win this first down battle, I think I have an excellent opportunity to win the game. Speaking of winning the game, Danny, what is your prediction as the Cowboys are a four-and-a-half-point underdog in Seattle? You know what? Um, a lot of times last year I picked, I picked us to win and we lost. This year okay. I picked us to win and we lost. Then I picked us to lose and we won. So uh, for the sake of us you know, proving me wrong, I'm going to say uh, we should be a three-point underdog. Um, and we'll probably – We'll probably fall to Seattle, uh, 30 to 27. You know, on a on a late field goal with uh, you know Russell kind of driving down there at the end of the game and and giving their kicker a chance to beat us. You know, ho hopefully hopefully that changes. But if I'm just being honest with myself about what I seen last week, um, that's that that that's my pick. Okay, so McCray, 30 to 27, Seahawks winning. Barry Church gave us his pick for the game. He's got Seattle winning 31 to 24. Got Seattle with a seven point win. And I 
am going to go 35-30, Seattle wins. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm still worried about the Cowboys' ability to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football here. Uh, Tyron Smith possibly not playing again, and even if Tyron comes back, uh, you never know with these next stingers. He could play a couple plays, and, and, and it happens. Or at any point in time, he could suffer another stinger. So, um, we, Lel Collins is not going to be there at right tackle. So, you're, you're, the offensive line overall ha, has been an issue. Connor Williams at one of the guard spots, he's been an issue. The offensive line has not been the strength that we thought thought it would be. They haven't shown that they can win the time of possession. Uh, so, as bad as Seattle's defense is, I, I'm going to go ahead and say the Cowboys end up losing this game and they can start to get healthy in October, starting with Cleveland coming to town October 4th. But before the season started, when I was going through my little win-loss tracker, I had the Seahawks winning this football game. And I don't think there'll be any shame in a Cowboys uh, loss of five points at all. These are two teams that could end up meeting again in the playoffs because I actually have Seattle winning this division. I think they're going to be a really good football team, Dan. Yeah, I think Seattle is going to be good. It's a, it's a good test for us, you know, um, you know, to kind of phase off what we did last week because I know everybody's riding high with the biggest comeback and happy. But I think us playing a good quality team, you know, will show us a lot about where we are and if we're getting better uh, throughout the season. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I hope we got some of those coaching things fixed and we're able, like, if we lose this game, let us lose this game because we got outplayed. Our players went out there and fought, but we just didn't have it to have it that day. Don't let it be because we made some silly mistakes coaching wise. And, you know, and we come back here on Monday and we say, what the heck were we doing again for, for the second time in a row? So, you know, I'm, I'm going for the Cowboys, but like I said, my honest feeling is, is that's where we are, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm proven wrong, and hopefully, our defense can get out there and uh, you know create some pressure. Uh, it's it's going to be difficult because that that scrambling quarterback is is something very difficult for a D line and, and, and linebackers to uh, to stop. But I think if we if, if we can get that done, I think we'll be all right. Keep keep Russell in the pocket, you know. Don't let him run around and create those extended plays. And I think we give us give ourselves a chance on defense. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are playing very well. Cheeto Awuzie, one of the Cowboys starting corners, is out with a hamstring injury. Anthony Brown, another one of the Cowboys cornerbacks, is already on injured reserve. And Trevon Boykin, the rookie cornerback, had a shoulder injury earlier this week. So the Cowboys secondary has got some issues and some things that they've got to work on as well, which is, once again, why I picked Seattle. Just looking at what the Cowboys have, they got to get some things cleaned up. But as I said, you start looking at that schedule in October, I think that's a point where uh, the schedule gets a little bit easier and the Cowboys start to get some guys back and then you start to see where they are. That is the Players' Lounge brought to you by Hotels.com. Also got to thank the folks over at Bose for the headphones here. Danny McCray, man, had, have a bunch of, uh, had a bunch of fun getting back with you, man. Enjoy that baby this weekend, and uh, we'll uh, we'll chat on Monday, okay? That is this play. has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!